So when we talk about finishing God's work, you realize that this is a huge topic, right? That there are a lot of things that can be said about finishing God's work. And I believe that many of us sit in this room, you've been part of all types of evangelistic efforts and outreach and programs and things like that. You've seen uh, new programs come and go. And you've seen, you know, different um, results from these different modes and ways of evangelizing. Today, I want to just focus on an aspect of finishing God's work that I believe is extremely important because it's not, um, it's not a methodology that is out there, you know, where the professional is brought in to do the work, but it's something much closer to home. And I think it's something that is much more biblical when we look at what Christ actually uh, encouraged us to do before he left the earth. And I think this is really the very first step in really attempting to finish, his God, finish God's work. It's nothing um, um, exciting or unusual about it. This is a quote. I can't find out where, find where I received this quote, but I think the most important aspect, the most important step in attempting to finish this work is that right there. Be Christian and be proud of it. You know, for some reason in society today, you know, there are, there, there's a lot of negativity towards Christians. You know, people look at you and they shut you down. They don't want to have anything to do with you. They look at you as being weird and outdated and all. And because of that, a lot of us believers, we tend to keep our lips zipped mouth shut. We try to draw as little attention to our religion and our beliefs as possible. So we'll stand around at work. We'll hang out at the water cooler and we kind of blend in whatever the conversation is, whatever people are talking about. You know, we don't in any way try to influence that in a more loving Christ-like manner. It's not like you, you're correcting people, but you know, you're looking at things from a different perspective. You have a different worldview. You don't see things the way other people see it. You see people who are, you see people as people in need of salvation and love and trust and new beginnings. We have to be Christian and we have to be proud of it. I didn't say we have to be bold about it, but we have to be comfortable living for Jesus Christ no matter what situation we find ourselves in. And I like this quote. It says, live your life in such a way that is intriguing. That's bizarre. Invoking someone's curiosity, live a questionable life that makes people wonder, who are they? Who are they? So if there's some event happening on your job or in your neighborhood or community where people are responding in a very hopeless or angry manner, then as Christians, you must, ask, you must wrestle with God, how, how am I to relate to this thing? I'll give you an example. Um, when I was working for Xerox, you know, I was... I took a guy out to, to train him, you know, how to do the job that I was doing. And um, I got a flat tire on my car. And I said, oh, man, I got a flat tire. So I pulled over. I changed the tire. You know, while I'm changing the tire in my mind, I'm just thinking, you know what, this is great. You know, maybe God is, you know, saving me from an accident, you know, down the road. Maybe this delay is good because maybe, you know, the person I'm going to go see is not going to be there. So I changed the tire put everything away, clean myself up. And the guy who I was training, you know, he's standing there and he's looking at me. I'm like, what's wrong? He says, you. So what did I do? He said, you just had a flat tire. I said, yeah, I know that. He says, you changed the tire. I said, well, it wasn't going to change itself. <laughs> I said, so what's wrong? He says, you know what? I said, if that was me, I would have been kicking and cursing and screaming the whole time that I was changing that tire. He says, but you didn't do that. I said, well, you know, when you view life the way I view it, things like this doesn't matter. And he wanted to know more. And I was able to talk to him more about my Christian beliefs because I'm attempting to live 
and be proud of them. I'm not preaching. I'm not telling people, you don't need to be doing that. You need to put that sneakers candy bar down. You don't need to be cussing at your wife. I'm, I'm not doing that. But I'm allowing Christ to live through me. As I said last night, this is something that comes from above. You know, you can try to live right with willpower, but the whole idea is to connect yourself with God. Let God, let Christ, let the Holy Spirit do what it does in your heart, in your life. And when people look at you, they're not looking to see how you dress. They're not looking to see what you eat and all that kind of stuff. What they see goes beyond those external things. What they see in you when you are filled with Christ is something you might not be able to understand. But they notice it. And that's what the world needs to see more of. Authentic people who believe what they believe and they live according to it. It's not just about proclamation. Oh, I can tell you about the Sabbath. I can tell you about the three angels message. But it's about people being able to look and see Christ in you. And that's a very rare thing in today's world. I'm spending a lot of time on this because this is, I think, the most important way for us to finish the work. And that is to be authentic, true Christians and being proud of it. Living the life that Christ has given to us, allowing him to live through us. Um, for a while, I was, I was a fan of this uh, person called uh, Ricky Smiley, I think that's his name, radio guy. He, he does a lot of pranks. You know, he's a, he goes to church and stuff, and he has some pranks that he plays, especially on church people. So he would call, you know, up folk who, in, who, who go to church, and he would act like he's someone else. And, you know, I remember this one time he called this lady and said, you know, I was in church and I had my shoes on and, you know, your daughter was very disrespectful to me. And the lady's like, what did she do? Well, she stepped on my shoe and she broke the crown and she didn't say, excuse me. And so the lady's like, you know, very Christian because she's a church goer. Well, I'm so sorry to hear that. Well, you know, it must have something to do with her her upbringing because she's so rude. And you hear the other lady on the, on the other line trying to be nice and calm. But as the conversation goes on, the person who you know is a churchgoer, who's a Christian, they become upset. And they begin to reach back and start to pull up words that sailors use. And it happens time after time after time on his show. And I ask God, why? Why can't people be authentic? Why does the Christian have to be the one that gives in when the pressure's on, when things are not going well, when the person you know, at the post office is not paying enough attention to you, when the food comes cold, when you're sitting at the restaurant, when, when the, when the veggie links are not, you know, there's not 12 in there, one is missing, <laughs> or whatever is happening, somehow Christ has to get a hold of us deeper than just our exterior. Because what the world needs to see is what real, true, genuine Christianity is all about. What was God's answer to you? What was God's answer to me? Well, you know, you've asked the question, why does this happen? Why does this happen? God's answer to me was very interesting. And it went something like this. My people are satisfied with the level of knowledge that they have of me. But if they would take time, there's so much more for them to know. So much more that I can do for them. So much more that is available. So much more powerful that can transform their lives to the depths of their souls. That's what he said to me. And I said, God, how do we get there? How do we get there? And that answer was prayer. Prayer and spending more time with me. Allowing Christ to become a part of our experience. Every part of it, not just a, you know, seven day, on the seventh day of the week, a little bit of time on Wednesday night prayer meeting, but every aspect of our lives.
invite him to be a part of. I even tell young folk, I even tell, tell I have a couple of young adults, I tell them, I say, if you're going to sin, I said, make sure you take Christ with you. <laughs> I said, he sees you anyway. Yeah, yeah. I said, invite him along. Yeah, well. I said, if you're really serious about it, tell him, God, I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get involved in this. I know it's not right, and, and, and I'm going to do it, but, you know, I, I want to be saved too, so while I'm doing this, please let your Holy Spirit speak to my heart. I said, I dare you to do that. And they look at me. <laughs> and I got one at home that tends to stay home rather than going out <laughs> because God is working on them. But you had a question. Well, it is not really a question. It's just to share something that you mentioned, prayer. Um, a number of years ago, I got home from work late, about 12 o'clock. And after getting into bed, about 2.30, Felt someone hit me on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. Said, Danny, get up and pray. So I said, okay, you give me 10 more minutes. 15 minutes after, I felt the same hit. Mm -hmm. But the voice sounded just like my wife. Wow. Get up and pray. Mm. I said, okay, I told you, I, I give me another 10 minutes. The third time, it was a bit more emphatic, a little harder. Danny, get up and pray. So I said, okay, okay. And I got up, went into the bathroom to get myself ready for prayer. And as I walked back into the bedroom, I realized my wife was not there. Mm. And so I said, God, are you telling me you want me to fellowship in prayer with you this morning? Mm -hmm. And I knelt down praying. But, but that was not the point. After that, I went to work, and uh, I had to stop somewhere, and when I got there, I, I looked around, I saw a lady standing by the side, I went over to her and said, why are you looking so sad? And we just started to talk, and uh, after a while, she started to cry, and I said, lady, please, be careful, because the folks might think I'm doing you something, and she said, no, God sent you here. I said, you're right. You okay. woke me up this morning just for this. Okay. Uh, so uh, the idea of prayer mm -hmm. and how he wants us is real. Great, great. You know, Danny, that's, I think, um, whatever it takes to draw closer to God and to be filled with his spirit, that's what the world needs. The world needs to see Christ in each and every one of us. And I'm not talking about they need to see perfection. They need to see people who in their imperfection knows how to turn to a God who is forgiving. People need to see that. People need to see authentic folks with real problems, with real issues, with real shortcomings. But they also need to see how you place your hand, your life, your expectations in the hand of God. They need to see that. Because I believe that in seeing real people who love Jesus, who are uh, loving or being, or being uh, who are loving to others because of Jesus in them, I think that makes a big difference in the world today. So, with that, I say take responsibility. Know that you're called to be a witness. Not just a, a person who proclaims, who wants to tell people the truth or share the truth, but someone who lives the truth as a conduit of love, as a conduit of God's love, God living through you. So it's not the work of the pastor alone. It's not the work of the Bible worker. I call those the professionals, the ones that have been trained for this. We, we tend to, you know, they, I've run across church members who will say, you know, well, that's why I give my tithes <laughs> so that they can do the work. No, no, it's not the work of church officers alone. The work of the gospel is the work of every believer, every person. This total member involvement that the NAD is talking about or the GC is talking about, you know, it, it almost seems like, you know, this is, this is a program that they're instituting, but really and truly, it is a call 
that we receive from Christ. Because as believers, as believers, we're called to be evangelists, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, not just verbally, but through the lives that we live. I think we make a greater impact when people see. I'll give you an example. Um, I have a neighbor who's a lawyer. Uh, I've known him now for four years. And um, we do cycling together. And uh, because he's a lawyer, he deals with all types of people, all walks of life and stuff. And uh, you try to get on a religious topic with him, he just kind of blows, you know, he just, he doesn't want to deal with that. But in relating to him over four years, um, I think that he has seen something in me that he respects because when he does have issues, like one time his sister was really sick, and he just started talking about that. And he just asked me, you know, how, how do I deal with this? And I was able to witness to him that even in times like that, there's a peace that I experienced because I know that there's someone greater than a doctor, someone that can come alongside of a person and give them hope. It's not about healing physically, although we want that, but the most important thing is being healed mentally and spiritually. And he listened to that. Next time he came up, he was talking to him about some issues with his kids. And he's wanting to know more about how me as a Christian relate to these things. Well, the closest I've gotten him to wanting to become engaged in some religious activity is he told me. He says, next time you're preaching in the area, let me know. I want to come and hear it. And I'm thinking, that's, that's a win. That's a win. So it's not about me trying to tell him about the Sabbath or about Jesus Christ. It's about living the life. And he's looking, he's seeing something. He's saying, he's got something that might be of use to me. Take a personal responsibility. Everywhere you go, think of yourself as an ambassador for, ambassador for Jesus Christ. No matter where you are, whether you're known or unknown, when you're walking through an airport filled with people, think of yourself as being an ambassador for Christ and asking the question, Lord, how can you be seen through me in this place today? Just like what you did with that woman. God would do some miraculous things, some wow things sometimes. <laughs> I was driving down the street one day, and right before me, a wreck happened. Pow, pow. Car veered off and hit a telephone pole. And uh, I'm like, what's going on? So I pull over to the side, and I walk up to the car, and there's this lady in there who's pregnant. And she is just starting to just lose it. I mean, she's cursing and just, I mean, just really angry at the guy that run her off the road. And I'm, you know, standing there looking at it. I'm like, okay, God, what do I do? What do I do, Lord? And God said, pray. So I said, ma'am, I don't know if you believe in God, but I'm going to pray for you. And I said, you mind if I grab, take, take you by the hand? And she's like, ah. and I just took her hand and I prayed. I pray that God would bring her peace right then and there. Because I was thinking, you know, I don't know anything about delivering a baby. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, so, so I prayed for her and she calmed down. And when I finished praying, I, you know, stood up, straightened up from the car. And there were people around and they were like, what church do you go to? I was like, well, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. A Seventh-day Adventist, oh, I've heard about them. Live being for Jesus Christ, praying that God will be with you. That's the way we're going to finish the work. Okay. Here's something from Gospel Workers, page 352. Now, there are a lot of quotes. There's some fantastic quotes that you can find in the writings of Ellen G. White. But this is one that I like here. It says, the work of God in this earth can never be finished until men and women comprising our church membership rally to the work and unite their efforts with those of ministers and <coughs> church officers. Again, we're talking about everyone realizing that they're called to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Witness when time allows it through word of mouth. But I think more than anything, witness through your lifestyle. 
people, I'm convinced, will rather see a sermon than hear one. But when they see a sermon, they're more inclined to want to hear a sermon. Okay. So, being a Christian, living as a Christian, and knowing it, the next point is you need to know your community. Now, I'm talking about random people that you may meet, you know, on the job, different situations you may find yourself in. But as a church leader or a community <coughs> church, church uh, family, if you want to impact your neighborhood, you know, through the lives of people who are invested, who are filled with the Spirit of God, then you need to know your community. Because it's good when you come together and everybody's Christian and you're enjoying your Christian experience inside the church. But you're not called to, you know, come from different parts of the neighborhood and go into the fortress and you, you know, you get your marching orders and then you go back out to wherever you live. You actually, you know, my belief is that your church is in that community because God put it there with the sole purpose of impacting that community for Jesus Christ. But a lot of our churches, they don't know the community, you know, because they're drive-in. So they drive in and they come there and they do their thing in the community. They may send out some flyers and all into the community. But instead of getting out in the community and knowing the community, that's, that's, that, that, we don't do that. Very few churches do that. I remember one of the first churches that I, I was a pastor of. I was associate pastor. I mean, there are houses all up and down the road. And one day I had the opportunity to go and knock on a couple of those doors. And I said, I'm you know, one of the pastors from across the street. From where? <laughs> the church across the street. And they're kind of looking past the door. Oh, that church. Those so people are crazy. And I said, okay. And this house is house after house. Because the church didn't communicate or go out and connect with, with the, the community. And so these are some ways that you get to know the community. One of my favorite is prayer walks. We're talking about finishing the work, and we're bringing it from a global scale down to you personally, which is what we talked about so far, and then you as a church. Prayer walks. What a prayer walk is is you're just going to lay out some paths in your community, select teams of people, and they're going to actually walk the um, those paths, and they're going to pray for the community. Now, what we've done in the past is we've actually taken some prayer cards, and if we see someone out in the yard, or if we see somebody, you know, come out the door, we'd actually go up and ask them, hey, we're in the neighborhood um, praying. I was wondering if you had any particular uh, things you'd like for us to pray about. And uh, we would get that information, write it down. And there have been uh, actually occasions where we actually went in and we intentionally knocked on doors just to find out what's going on in the community. And so if you're approaching the house and you see, you know, some kids' toys out in the yard, then you know that there are kids there. If you're approaching the yard and you see that there's a lot of overgrowth and things are not taken care of, you can assume that maybe there's someone there that doesn't have the, the skill or know how to take care of the yard. It may be an elderly person. So you're learning all this stuff by, you know, firsthand observation through your prayer walks. Another thing you can do is survey. Some people like to do door-to-door -door survey and ask questions like this. What is the biggest concern in this community? In your opinion, what is the biggest concern in this community for you? You know, and they share that with you. You know, you can ask a number of different questions for them, but one of the other questions that we like to ask in, in surveys is, if there was a, if a church wanted to do something in this community, what would you think they could do to make a difference? And they will share that with you. So you're getting information on that. So you're finding out what the issues are, what the concerns are, and possibly how a church might be able to make a difference in that community. Local leaders, they are excellent to talk to. If you go to the police station and you talk with them, say, I'm just, you know, we're trying to understand the community here. Is there anybody I can talk to? They'll welcome you in and they'll tell you what some of the issues are in the community. In fact, in Atlanta last year, it's been two years ago, they kicked off this new uh, program where the police, um, the law enforcement agencies are wanting to partner with the, the, uh, the uh, faith groups and form an alliance so that the faith groups will know what's happening in their specific community issue-wise because they believe that the faith group 
might be able to help provide some of these social answers or deal with the issues. I thought that was great. But if you take your time to go talk to policemen or educators, principals, chamber of commerce, or other help agencies that are at work in the community, you can find a lot of things out about what's going on in your community. Why are you wanting to find out what's going on in your community? Why would it be advantageous for evangelism, for finishing the work? Why is that important? So you know what the needs are. You know what the needs are. And then as a church, you have a decision to make. You can sit down and you say, how can we address these needs? You know, what can we do to help alleviate some of this? And here's a great part to that. As a church family, you don't have to attempt to build your own programs or start some new ministry to assist in these, these, these areas of need. What would be great is in your conversations with help agencies and other religious leaders, you can discover what they're doing to address some of these needs and you can form what we call a partnership, a partnership. And so if you're helping them with their food bank, I mean, they have it set up as going, we need volunteers. Well, we're going to come and we're going to uh, dedicate uh, time on Tuesdays and Thursdays nights to help run your food bank. Doesn't matter whose name is outside, but people will know that you're from what church? Seventh-day Adventist church and that you're helping and those people who know that in that food bank, well, word gets around. People start to hear that the Seventh-day Adventist church is helping out with the food bank. Next thing you know, you may be getting a call to establish your own food bank or people in the community may start knocking on your door and asking questions and saying, you know what? You guys are out there helping at the food bank. How can I get involved? How can I help? So if there is, if there's situations where you have to start your own ministry, start it. But there are situations where you can pair up with another ministry, get involved, get involved. And I'm going to hit this, but I'm going to throw it out now. The reason why you want to get involved, because the more people that you are around, the more people that you're helping, whether it's your program or someone else's program, the more people that you come in contact with, what are you doing? What's happening? Building relationships. You're building relationships. And you're witnessing to them. And you're witnessing, not necessarily with this, but with your actions, with your life. That is what impresses people more than anything in today's world. Talk is cheap, but actions mean everything. So demographics, there are a lot of uh, ways to get demographics um, to understand what's going on in your community. And then that last one is a tricky one, but it, it's very uh, fruitful, is just having conversations with people. When I first moved to Calhoun, Georgia, I was down in South Florida for 21 years. I came to Calhoun and I was like, man, they got cows walking around <laughs> on both sides of my house. I mean, I'm not used to this. But I went down to um, get the, um, my tag switched over on my car. And uh, there's a lady down there. And I just started talking to her. Hey, how long have you been a member of this neighborhood? I've been living here for 40 years. I said, tell me some of the major changes that have happened here in Calhoun. And she went through the whole thing. I mean, we had a long conversation. People standing in line saying, will you stop and get out of the way? And we're just talking. He said, listen, I want you to come bring your family over to my house and we can sit down and we can talk about this some more. I mean, I'm getting valuable information about Calhoun. I mean, I don't do evangelism in Calhoun. You know, I've done evangelism, but it gives me a better perspective. If I were a pastor in a church in Calhoun, I would have some rich information that I can use to finish the work or to promote the work in Calhoun. So have those conversations with people. I love talking to elderly people. You know, I love sitting down and talking with them because they have a lot of information to share and they want to talk. So know your community. That is invaluable. Take the time to get to know the people that you call, that that church has been placed in that community to reach. Okay, 
and we've talked a lot about this. This has um, become known. You know, engage in community events. Uh, I'm talking about as a church now. Engage in community events. I mean, there are festivals that take place. There are 5K runs that take place. Different programs that the community will put on. You can volunteer. You know, and you, you want to throw the name around. Hey, you know, I'd like to bring my church. We, we want to see where we can be a part of this. How can we help? How can we help? Because the word gets out that the Seventh-day Adventist church is connecting with the community, involved with the community. People say, people who believe and think that the church is weird, that they have those strange standoffish people in there, they begin to get a different, you know, perspective. They start looking at you as being human. Well, I guess they're okay. They don't just eat tree bark. They, they seem to be nice people. So try to, you know, as a church, you know, you sit down, you, you get a community calendar, and you see what you can be, you know, you can be of service. What, what events that are coming, you can, you can be of service to. Of course, something has happened on the Sabbath, you know. If there's certain things that they're doing on the Sabbath that you can be part of, like if they're going to do a nature walk or something like that, you can help out with that. But try to engage in community events. Attend community meetings, Prime Watch meetings. Uh, what do they call those meetings when, you know, um, you know, some builder wants to come in and do something, and so they have to take it to the community for a town hall meeting. I forget what they call. I put code meeting there, but I forget what those are. Town halls, I guess, is what they're called. When they have those things, go there and represent the church and just say, hey, we're just here. We want to hear what's going on. And then homeowners association meetings, whatever meetings that are taking place, just be a part of. And in fact, um, I pastored a church where we used to host crime watch meetings. Just tell the community that our church is available for you on a monthly basis to run the crime watch meetings in this community. And people enjoyed that. And they would walk into the church and we'd make sure there are flyers and, and little brochures and pamphlets and little Bible studies that are sitting out there. We don't try to give it to them. Nobody's standing in the door with a bag to give to everyone that comes in. But we allowed them to come into the church and they got used to that. And then introduce yourself to local principals, help agencies and elderly homes and police. Anything like that where you think that you, you know, people have needs and your church can be of service, get out there in the community and be known. Because again, I'm going to remind you again, you know, the work of Jesus Christ is a worldwide thing. And through our tithing system, we impact the whole world. But what we're talking about is what you can do in your community right here and now. And this is one of the things become known. Okay, be incarnational. We talked about this a lot. Volunteer to serve. If you are attending a church that has its own building, volunteer your space for certain activities. Uh, address needs in the community. If you do your prayer walk, if you talk to people and you discover these are certain needs, you know, raise an awareness. If you have to be the first to launch into dealing with certain needs, then be the first. But you know, attempt to include people who are not necessarily Adventists because the more people that you bring along with this, the more people are exposed to what you're doing, the more people who can witness the way you're doing it in a Christ-like manner, the more possibilities that you might influence other people to want to know Christ as well and minister to people. Take your time. If you have a neighbor that just lost a loved one, don't just say, hey, I don't know those people. But be the one that goes out and brings them a bouquet of flowers or a loaf of bread, fresh baked bread. If there are some people down the street that you don't know anything about, but you see that they have a sign on the back of the car that says, just married, then take them a little gift. Hey, listen, I'm in the neighborhood. I just thought it just brings up. I know we haven't met, but, you know, here's something for you to, you know, just I want to celebrate with you. Take them a bottle of, of, of sparkling Martinelli's apple cider. <laughs> you know, they'll enjoy that. They might look at it, what is this? And say, well, you can drive and drink this at the same time, so here you go. <laughs> you know, but think of different ways. You're prayerfully always asking, God, how can, how can, how can I connect with people? How can you use me as a conduit of your love? How can I be of service to others? What can I do? What can my church do? What can we do as a body of people to impact this community with you, with the gospel of love? Continually asking that question. 
Now here's a, a quote from Council on Churches, a couple of things that I want to talk about here. It's a long quote, page 308. It says, Christ's work in behalf of man is not finished. It continues today, her day, and even until today. In like manner, his ambassadors are to preach the gospel and to reveal his pitying love for lost, for, the, for lost and perishing souls. By an unselfish interest in those who need help, they are to give a, and look at that, practical demonstration of the truth of the gospel. What does she mean by that? Living it out. Living it out. I'd never seen that until recent. A practical demonstration of the truth of the gospel. Much more than mere sermonizing is included in this work. The evangelization of the world is the work God has given to those who go forth in his name. They are to be co-laborers with Christ because Christ is working with us and through us. Revealing to those ready to perish his tender pity and love. God calls for thousands to work for him. Here we go again, not by preaching to those who know the truth for this time. That's very interesting right there. That's very interesting. I go to a lot of churches where people complain that the pastor doesn't feed us. I said, what do you mean he doesn't feed you? He's giving us milk. He's not giving us meat. What do you mean? I said, how long have you been in the church? Been in the church 20 years. You don't know how to feed yourself? Amen. <laughs> I thought this was about something, else, something bigger than ourselves, something other than ourselves. It continues. She continues. Not by preaching to those who know the truth for this time. By the way, I tell people, you need to cease to be an overweight Christian, a spiritually overweight Christian, and start doing some workout for the Lord by witnessing for the Lord. Not by preaching to those who know the truth for this time, but by warning those who have never heard the last message of mercy. Work with a heart filled with an earnest longing for souls. Tell me what that means right there. A heart filled with an earnest longing for souls. Is it like wanting souls so that you can anticipate more stars in your crown? I mean, well, what, for them. Loving them, wanting to leave them because you care about them and you don't want to see them lost. I need that. When you talk about prayer, that's the kind of stuff that I need to pray about. Lord, help me to love people. Help me to love them as you love them. Help me to have a heart that tugs with pity whenever I walk past a person who does not appear to know you. That's a hard thing sometimes. And whenever I, I'm talking to going to the mall with my wife and she's doing all the window shopping, I will hang with her for a little while. But then after a while, I'm like, my feet hurt and my back hurt and I'm going to sit down. And that's one of those things I would do. And I'm not, I'm not perfect at this. Don't get me wrong. But I would sit there and I would look at people. And I would say, God, how, how, how can you use me to touch that person there? You know, here's another person who's just walking, doesn't seem to be a, you know, concerned about anything past you know, getting a new pair of shoes or something. How can, how can you use me? I mean, what, can it, what would it take to touch that person's life? Here's another person walking. And he's like, that person seems like they have problems. What, what, what can be said to them to lift their burdens, Lord? Earnest longing for souls. Continues on, do medical missionary work. And I like that. I'm going to say something about that in just a second. Thus, you will gain access to the hearts of people. When I look at that do missionary work, <clears throat> I think in Ellen White's day, that was one of the biggest things that people were responding to because they had health issues. They had health needs. And to, to do something practical for them, you know, gave them an open heart to hear something else, you know, about the gospel. 
But I think about that do medical missionary work, and I, and I think that can be substituted for a number of things today when we think about outreach, programs that we can do. I know Southern Union has been pushing this end it now. You know, we're, you know, we're bringing a great awareness to this, this uh, sex trafficking. And so I can see that being um, substituted there. This whole idea of bringing more uh, conscious awareness to sex trafficking. Or I can see something about um, unwed mothers, the issues there. Or I can see something about um, young male youth who do not know how to respect the female body. Or I can see people with marital issues. You know, there's a lot of things that we can do in these areas. So if you substitute that and then read the rest, thus you will gain access to people's hearts because you're ministering to their immediate needs. And when you do that, people are more prone to hear what you have to say. Powerful. And the way will be prepared for a more decided proclamation of the truth. That's just awesome. Awesome. And so. The reversing diabetes has worked very well. Yes, 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 yes. People are becoming more aware of it. Even the doctors are starting to refer people. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. How many of you know, anybody don't know about the reversing diabetes program? Okay, everybody knows about it. That's an excellent example there. So what are we saying? We're saying we can finish the work. We can finish the work by touching people's lives, being intentional about that, getting to know them, getting to know what they need, letting people know that we're here, and not only letting them know, but involving ourselves in the community. Because being very practical in touching people's lives will open up the doors for us to begin to talk more about, you know, the more deeper spiritual things. People need to see Jesus Christ in us and what we do. And that makes them more prone and open to hearing more about the gospel. That is key, I believe, in our context to finish this work. It seems simple, but it's probably one of the most difficult things to do. You know, there is a program that is um, really, I mean, it, it is just fantastic. It's in the uh, Grundy County, Tennessee, where we have a young pastor up there who has spearheaded um, a prayer, well, spearheaded the need for the community to come together and deal with this huge drug issue up there. And as a result, um, denominational leaders from all over that town have come together on a number of occasions to pray for Grundy County. You know, we're talking about across the board, even, you know, even uh, Jews are coming to this thing to pray for change. And they're rotating. They go from church to church to pray as a body of leaders, spiritual leaders. Now, that thing is just awesome because the Adventist church for years was viewed as those strange people over there. We don't know anything about them. But because the actions of this pastor and his church leaders, now the Seventh Adventist church is well respected there and prayer is happening. And I would say that anything that you do needs to be bathed in prayer. Uh, I, I know that you, some of your members of churches that are very evangelistic, and uh, one of the things that some of your churches do is this thing called 40 days of prayer. You know, they, they go through that program 40 days before they actually kick off the event. You can find those books in ABC. But I hope that when we have those 40 days of prayer, that it's not just another program, but it's actually a, an intent to, to bring people together spiritually and to pray that the Holy Spirit will bless and touch lives, not only out there, but 
in the church as well. Okay. They may not come back, but mm -hmm. they like to know that the health is important. Right. And you're, and you're, you're planting seeds. Yeah. You're planting seeds and you're making people aware of something that, you know, they may want to tap into at a later time in life. Let me let me do just two more things here because my time is up. Um, these other slides were dealing with uh, diversity in your community. Uh, be, res be, be uh, sensitive to the, the cultural diversity, the physical diversity, age diversity in your communities because sometimes we just kind of like one size fits all. But it's very important that we start having those conversations to get to know the different people who live in our communities, the economic diversity in the communities, because those things can impact what you do in church and how you do it. But I'm going to get to this one slide here um, that talks about, in summary, what we've, we've dealt with here. We're really talking about this right here, building a two-way friendship with people, getting to know them and their world. That's what we've been talking about, taking the time, being intentional about that. You know, their world includes the things that they're concerned about, things that they're facing, their issues. But then at the same time, as you're getting to know them in their world, they're getting to know you and your world, your beliefs, your relationship with Jesus Christ and how that has impacted your life. People, I believe today, need to see the gospel in action. They need to see the gospel in you. That is the greatest witnessing tool. And in fact, um, am I up? Am I through? Got two minutes. Got two minutes. You know, we're, we're talking about making disciples, growing relationships with you and God, people growing relationships with you, through you, and through that, they're building a relationship with God. I have a little uh, statistic there. Statistics are showing that relationships that you build with people because you're reaching out to them, they're five times more effective in bringing people to Christ eventually than all the other outreach methodologies that's that's evangelistic that's health fairs and all that stuff combined relationships think about that five times more uh, rewarding successful than sending out flyers becoming friends that's powerful okay speaking and living into their lives into their world with the gospel. Um, life transformational moments, I kind of talked a little bit about that. When you see people that are going through the life transitions, like somebody retires, or someone just gets married, or someone loses a spouse, or someone's, um, you know, lost a job, or, you know, someone just got an empty nest, be very, you know, be very sensitive to those things, people that you know, and, you know, make mention. I mean, reach out to them and touch them. Um, as people, come to know you as people inquire about your belief system. This is just a, a quick little overview of some things that you can do to invite them to grow, to go deeper. How many of you know what a side door event is? You know, this is when you've gotten to know people, they know you and they're like, you know, I want to get to know more about your God. And you know, you're studying with them, you're giving them Bible studies, but then it comes a time when you want to uh, connect them with maybe a, a larger part of your community. You know, we have these things called side, side door events. An example of one that comes to mind, you know, and I talked about it last night a little bit, are, you know, have, have church, uh, have put, sponsor a, a car show where you invite people in the community that has any antique car or some wonderful car that they want to put on display to do a car show, to be a part of a car show. So you invite people to events like that. Things that don't necessarily get them in the church, but they get around church folk. You know, we have a church that does a, uh, a motorcycle weekend. And people from all over the country will ride in. And on Friday night, they will have a service in the church. Parking lot filled with motorcyclists. Sabbath morning, the same thing. And the motorcyclists are there. You know, things of that nature. Back to school parties or even back to school prayer services. You, know, you want you know, your kids to be prayed for, they go into college, things of that nature. Those are kind of side door things 
rather than the big events like reaping meetings or evangelistic meetings, things that people can come to, but it still has a spiritual flavor to it. Okay. The last thing I want to say, because my time is up, please remember this. This is important. This right here has just altered the way I look at evangelism. Say, so this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God. And it really starts right there. Our Savior who desires all people to be saved. All people. Not just a few of them. Your neighbors, people you work with, strangers that you see walking by while you're sitting in the mall waiting on your wife to shop. He wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And you can be assured that God will be working with you in every endeavor that you try to do for the sake of winning souls. There are a number of different things that you can do when it comes down to evangelism. There are different programs that you can do. There are so many methodologies out there that you can do. You can start reading all this stuff and you can get all these ideas. But the most important thing that you can ever do, the most important thing that you can ever do is to just do something. Amen. No matter how small it is, just do something for the Lord. Okay? Appreciate you listening to me. Lots of other things could be said, but I think for us, this is it in a nugget. You mind if I pray for you? Yes, please. Okay. Father, we just want to thank you for the love that you've shown us, for saving our souls, the wonderful things that you continue to do in our hearts, in our soul, in our minds on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis. Lord, you love us with a love that's so intense that even when we fail, Lord, you've, you've provided a way for us to find forgiveness. And you restore us just like that. Father, you're doing wonderful things in our lives. And I know that you want to place our lives on displays to this world, to the people in our sphere of influence, so that they too might understand what it is that you want so much to do for them. I pray for these people that you will bless them. Continue, Lord, to draw them closer to you. Fill us all with your spirit that we might continue to be conduits of your love. And we may be walking billboards of your wonderful love to this world, to the communities in which we live. Continue to bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.